before we talk about shepherding, I just want to say this by way of, if you're a parent, you're a shepherd. And I want to use the term shepherd in this broad sense. If you're a parent, a mother, or a father, you are shepherding the souls of your kids. If you're a teacher, if you're a business person and you have people working around you, you're a shepherd. Do you see how broad this term of shepherd can be? If you have brothers and sisters that are younger than you, if you have a brother or a sister that is younger than you, I want to include you as a shepherd. I want to use the term shepherd very broadly. I want to speak to all of us, not just to the 14 or 15 men that have stood. I want to speak to all of us. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. In our text this morning, we're going to continue our series on the great I Am statements of the Scriptures, and Jesus is going to make this great statement about who He is in this text. He's going to make the statement that He is the gate or the door, and I believe that He is speaking to the shepherds. I think He's making His statements and His proclamation in John chapter 10. I think He's got the Pharisees in mind. The Pharisees were the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel. And they were chosen by the Old Testament scriptures that they were to shepherd the sheep of God, the flock of Israel. And they were not doing that. And Jesus here in John chapter 10 picks out, and this language I believe is directed particularly to the, to the Pharisees and the shepherds of the day. Look at the text. In fact, if you go back to chapter 9, verse 41, uh, go back to verse 35, he's speaking here about spiritual blindedness, about how he was the light of the world, and we saw that last week. But he's talking about this man who was uh, born blind, and he was given sight. And he's talking to this one, but he's also talking to the Pharisees. Look at verse 40, uh, 46. Some Pharisees... I'm, I'm sorry, verse 40. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Pharisees, are, are we blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, John says, but they, who's they, the Pharisees and the crowd here, they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said, and he makes it plain, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. 
Jesus Christ, I believe, is talking here to the Pharisees, and he wants them to know that he is the shepherd. He will say that later on, but he also wants them to know that he is the door to the gate. If I go back just a minute and show you this slide, this gives you some idea of what the shepherd and what the shepherd life was like. Many times the shepherd would take the sheep and they would go out to the open fields and they would find a wall that they would find in either out there in the, in the open or they would find a wall that was connected to another wall. This is a walls that were connected, but they would make a sheep pen for the flock and they would go in. And I want you to notice that where the shepherd is sitting, the shepherd is sitting there as part of the gate that was to keep all the sheep inside the pen. And so the shepherd literally became the door so that nothing could get in and nothing could get out. And this was something that the Jewish people, they knew in their minds when they thought about him being the gate, they would think of this kind of setting. They would see the shepherd sitting down in front of the open door and he would literally be the door. The sheep had to go through the door to get in to where they would sleep for the night. And then when the night was done, when the day would come, the shepherd would take the sheep out of the pen and they would go off into the pastures and they would find the green, uh, the green places where they could feed. Jesus here makes the claim and he makes the invitation that he is the door. Going back to chapter 10, verse 1, notice what Jesus says. Let's break down these verses and see what he says to us who are shepherds. Again, let's use that in a broad term. Verse 1, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, and I tell you the truth. This is a repeated, repeated phrase that Jesus is going to make over and over in his teaching. He wants his hearers to know that if you want to hear truth, you need to hear what he is saying. He is the truth giver. There is no unadulterated truth that is found in Jesus. When Jesus speaks, he speaks the truth. And so as we hear him say these words, I tell you the truth, this is a phrase that he uses oftentimes. Go back to chapter 8 a moment and look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus will talk about truth much in this Gospel of John. But he says in verse 31 of chapter 8, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth gives us freedom. If you live truth, you live in freedom. And this phrase here from John chapter 8, verse 32, is a classic verse from John's gospel. The truth will set you free. If you ever get caught in a lie, if you ever get caught in deception, don't listen to the deception. Put truth on the table. If you know what the truth is, the story is going to stay the same. Because you rest in the truth. Whatever that truth is, I took the cookie, Mom. I did it. That's the truth. My story stands. I took the cookie. And the story doesn't change. Because truth sets us free. Now, we might have to pay the consequences because the cookie was taken. But don't ever be afraid of truth. Truth trumps everything. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he is telling us that his words are something to listen to. There's elements of truth. Go back to chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, 
but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Jesus is calling the Pharisees out. You've been thieves and robbers. You're not taking care of the flock, Pharisees. In fact, this flock that Jesus was trying to get to bring to him, these religious leaders of Israel, was the flock that should have known better. They should have heard the words of Jesus, and Ezekiel 34 could have come to their minds and said, yes, we know exactly what this man is speaking about, because they knew the Scriptures. In fact, many of them had probably read Ezekiel chapter 34, and they knew all about the shepherd theme, about, the Pharisee, or about what the Pharisees could have and should have been doing. Turn back to John chapter 1 for just a moment and look at what John says at the very beginning of his, of his book here. He makes a very pointed statement through John the Baptist in John chapter 1. Verse 29, the next day John, and we're talking about John the Baptist here, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason that I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to whom? To Israel. How is he being presented to Israel? It's not the common, ordinary people of the streets. That's going to be a flock that's going to come eventually. The people that should have recognized him and should have known what he was talking about should have been the religious leaders, the Pharisees. Jesus is pointing his comments here in John chapter 10 to the Pharisees and to the shepherds and saying, I'm the gate. Come to me. Let's go back to John chapter 1. Or John chapter 10. We're in John chapter 1, John chapter 10, and we see here that he's calling out the religious system. Can I suggest to you that these doors that we choose, traditional, contemporary, blended, can I put all three of those in one category for us this morning? And I'd like to suggest that all three of those categories are religion. They're religion. Religion is a system. It's a system that we build, and we have built it well. The church has done very well at building this system. We have built a great system, and now we even go by churches, and I see signs like this. <laughs> Blended service. Contemporary at 9 o'clock. Traditional at 11.30, and then the blended in between. We've, we've built a wonderful system, friends. And I'm not sure that that system is of God. What, what is the system? Is there even a system? Go back just a moment. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 33. Let's keep our finger in John 10. We're going to get there. But Ezekiel chapter 33, because we read all of 34, and the reading was powerful. I hope that when we do scriptural readings here at Parkside, I hope that you bring your Bible. Sometimes we like to listen, but it's good for us to take our Bibles and to follow along. I encourage you to do that. Look at chapter 33 of Ezekiel. Put yourself in the shoes of a Pharisee. Chapter 33, look at verse 30. As for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come and let's hear the message that has come from the Lord. Let's go listen to Ezekiel. My people come to you as they usually do 
and still before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are holding more than one who sings and loves songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. When all this comes true, and it surely will, then they will know that a prophet has been among you. Religion, friends, is listening to the words but not having any action. And Jesus, I believe, is calling out the Pharisees here to say, it's not a system. It's not your religious system, Pharisees. And they had built a great system, but they missed it. So what does Jesus say here? Let's go back to John chapter 10. And notice what he says. And I think in verse 2, we have some clarification here. The man who enters by the gate, the Pharisee or the religious leader or the shepherd who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Shepherds, whatever form you are, if you want to lead your flock well, if you're a parent, if you're an older sibling, if you have people around you that you have influence in, shepherds, for us to lead well, we need to go through the gate, through Christ, and lead those people to him. Because he is going to become the system. But you can't take a person and put it in a system. Because people are not systems. People are people. <laughs> People are real, live, living people. Christ is alive. He is real. He actually has substance to him by way of personality. He is life. So you can't take Christ and put him in a box. You can't take your spouse and put him in a box. You can't take your kids and put him in a box. We can't put people in boxes. Because when we do, it becomes a religious, no, it becomes a system. And systems do not function, I believe, in the kingdom of God. The ramifications of this, friends, is, is radical. I want you to know this. These are truths that I believe are here, but the application of it, it's almost like we have to take our systems and totally turn them inside out or turn them over and say, we almost have to start over again. And we get really nervous when we take our systems away, don't we? <laughs> you move my toothbrush, my system is, that's where it is. That's where I like to know that it is. And systems are sometimes tough to deal with. Going back to John chapter 10, I want you to notice here that Jesus says that we need to go through the gate. Verse 3, the watchman. Who's the watchman? This word watchman here has connection to Old Testament Ezekiel language. That's why, again, the Pharisees, what the watchman here, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and they listen to him. And we see here that the sheep have some results of going through the door. In fact, let me just share with you five results here. If we are going to be people that go through the gate, what are some of the results that we're going to have by way of us going through the gate, the door? The first is I want you to notice here that the sheep 
they recognize his voice. There is, friends, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins and we go through that gate, and hopefully you've gone through that door of salvation, here's what we believe the Bible teaches. You and I have a voice that has been placed in us, and it is the voice of the Holy Spirit in our conscience. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit prompts us to do good things, to do Christ-like things. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants us to be Christ-like. Our religion doesn't happen in a system. It happens in our life as we live with other people, on how we drive our vehicles, how we handle the people behind the clerk or the clerk that is behind the, the counter that is taking care of How do we handle these people? How do we think? How do we act? What's our attitudes? All of that becomes the work of the Holy Spirit, and he sees it all. And the Holy Spirit becomes the one who's the watchman, who encourages us to listen to the voice of God. It's interesting that sheep have great ears for hearing. Sheep have excellent hearing. In fact, they can amplify and pinpoint sound with their ears. In fact, sound arrives at each ear at a different time. That's why their ears are kind of big and floppy. The, the sound arrives at different times. Sheep are frightened by sudden loud voices such as yelling or barking. In response to loud noises and other unnatural sounds, sheep become nervous and more difficult to handle. This is due to the release of stress-related hormones. To minimize stress, the handler should speak in a quiet, calm voice. Sheep should not be worked in the presence of barking dogs. Sheep have great ears, and they hear, and they can recognize their shepherd's voice. In fact, when they put the sheep in the pen, if there were different herds of sheep that they would put in the pen for the night, and there were three or four different flocks of sheep, in the morning, for me to get my sheep, I could call my sheep, and I could call them by name, and they would recognize my voice. That's what they would do, is they would come out of the pen, and they would follow my voice, because they would recognize it. Barclay, in his book, describes it this way. One shepherd says it this way. The shepherd calls sharply from time to time to remind them of his presence. They know his voice, and they follow on, but... If a stranger call, they stop short, lift up their heads in alarm, and if it is repeated, they turn and they flee because they know not the voice of a stranger. I have made the experiment repeatedly, he says. Sheep hear the voice. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we recognize it, and we recognize truth. That's what the truth is. Truth is Christ. Christ is truth. We recognize truth and to sever through that and to understand what truth is. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We recognize his voice. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Go back to John chapter 10, and there's a second characteristic here that we find of those flock, those people, those individuals that go through the door that is Christ. The second characteristic here is found in verse 4. When he has brought out his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We find significance when we follow Christ. 
He is the one that we follow after. We don't follow after a system of religion. Christ becomes the head of the church today, and Christ becomes the one that we follow after. He's the one that we pursue. It's interesting that sheep are very social animals. In a grazing situation, they need to see other sheep. In fact, ensuring that sheep will always have visual contact with other sheep will prevent excess stress when moving or handling them. According to animal behaviorists, a group of five sheep is usually necessary for sheep to display their normal flocking behavior. A sheep will become highly agitated if it is separated from the rest of the flock. In other words, friends, we need to have a group that we say we are following together the sheep, we are following the shepherd. Because sheep hang together. That's what I believe church is all about. Church is not necessarily a social club, even though we socialize, but a church is where I, together with other believers, we follow the voice of him. And we need each other. I think, and this is what they say about sheep, the danger of sheep is when they separate themselves from the flock, they become, uh, they become easy targets for the enemy. Well, when sheep stay together, there's strength in that number. When one sheep moves, the rest will follow, even if it's not a good idea. The flocking and following instinct of sheep is so strong that it caused the death of 400 sheep in 2006 in eastern Turkey. One sheep, the sheep plunged to their death after one of the sheep tried to cross a 15-meter deep ravine, and the rest of the flock followed. Isn't that like us? We're just like sheep. We'll follow anybody. And it doesn't matter, even if it's to our death, we'll follow our friends. It doesn't matter what they're doing, but we're going to follow them. And it's interesting that God uses this parallel of sheep and people that are part of his flock as a parallel. Jesus says we find significance when we follow him. A third characteristic that we find here if we go through the door Third characteristic is found in verse 9. Let's skip down to verse 9 and look at what it says. It says here, I am the gate, Jesus says. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. The third characteristic that we find here of sheep that go through the gate is that we find security and safety. We find security and safety. We come in and we come out. We find there to be purpose in life. Even when we're behind bars, I appreciated so much what Pastor Matt shared in that letter this morning. Here was a man who was behind bars, but he found purpose there because he had gone through the gate. He'd gone through the door. Flocking behavior, sheep are best known for their strong flocking or herding and following instinct. They will run from what frightens them and band together in large groups for protection. This is the only protection they have as predators. There is safety in numbers. It is hardly for a predator to pick a sheep out of a group than to go after a few strays. Flocking instinct varies by breed, with the fine wool breeds uh, being the most gregarious. So we find pasture when we follow together. That's why I just believe, friends, that church has got to be more than Sunday mornings. If this is all that we do by way of our experience on, in our walk with God, if this is all that we connect with one another, there's a connection there, but the connection needs to go deeper. 
we need to get into one another's lives. And I know that that sometimes gets a little bit threatening because it's like, well, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy with this. And to get to know one another in groups of, well, here, it's five sheep. They, they hang together with at least five. I think that there's power in that security and safety in knowing that we have a flock that we belong to. And then fourth, there's a fourth characteristic here found in this uh, verse 9. We find that there is satisfaction. We find that we go in and out the fields that Christ brings us to are fields that will bring substance and will bring satisfaction. There is just a whole world system out there that wants to tell us that here's the system that's going to bring satisfaction. You do this and this and this and you're going to find, and there's some satisfaction to it, but it's not lasting. Jesus says that there's satisfaction that he will provide. When Peter denied Jesus three times, the way that Jesus responded to Peter was, Peter, feed my flock. Feed my lambs. Give them the place where they can find satisfaction. Where is it? It's in Christ. And in Christ alone. And that's where our satisfaction is found. Fifth and finally, there's a Fifth and last characteristic here that we find if we go through the door and we find as a shepherd that we go through this door that God, I believe, will give us. And here's in verse 10, just a powerful verse. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, that is the shepherds, may have life and have it to the fullest. We experience superabundant life. We experience it to the fullest. The Greek word here has the idea to have a superaboundingness of a thing. It's almost like taking a cup, take the cup that you love to drink, and when you go home, just let it overflow. Because most of the time we try and control it. God says here, you're not going to be able to control the substance that I'm going to give you by way of life, it's going to overflow. Your life is going to take on meaning. Your life is going to take on purpose. If you go through the gate, if you come through me, you will be a shepherd for others that will overflow into their life. And it's not what you give your sheep. It's what I will give you as I overflow for you. And so the shepherd is asked to go through the door because we as shepherds, we need help, don't we? I mean, I've got four kids, and they're all grown, and they're, they're now adults, but I'm still a father. I've never fathered adults before. I've never been a grandparent before. I wish I would. No, probably not. I've never done this before. Where do I get the source of strength? Jesus says, you come to me. You come through me. You come through the gate, and I will give you everything that you need for that. And I will even overflow it to the point where you won't even see how much of an impact that you will have. You will get to heaven someday and you might have people behind you that you didn't realize the impact that you had because you kept your focus not on a system. You kept your focus on Christ. And friends, that's the system that we have to go back to. And when we do that, we super abundantly bless other people. It takes the mundane and it makes it meaningful. It takes the routine and makes it robust. It takes the average and makes it extreme. It takes the vanilla and makes it extraordinary hot fudge. It takes the normal and makes it full. Christ is not boring. Christ is the substance of life. 
Let's see if we can take away the systems and say to us, together, it is all about Christ at Parkside. And what does that look like? I'm not sure, but I just know that systems don't work. Christ does. And I'm afraid that with our systems, we need to really think about what we're doing in our systems to say, what does the Scripture say about Christ? What does that look like? And I... I have never been, it's not that I'm in a fog by way of my ministry, but it's, it, there's this sense of anticipation and moving forward to see what God is going to do here, but there are some unknowns that I have to be honest with you to say, you know what, there are some things here that I think we need to ask some serious questions and to just ask the questions, are we willing to do that? I sure hope so. Because sometimes our systems don't work. Well, let me ask you this. Because I think all of us have a religiousness to us. We all have systems, okay? I think that's, we all do. But how many times do we go into our religious system and come out with nothing? And we say, it doesn't affect me. I go to church. Go in, go out, doesn't affect me. And, and I think there's times where we all experience that to some degree. And so the challenge is to bring us back to the truth of what door are we going to choose? Jesus is saying it's not a religious system. He is saying to each of us, it's not contemporary. It's not traditional. It's not blended. It's me. And as your shepherd, I want so badly want so badly for each of you to have an encounter with Christ. I mean, if you're not saved here this morning and you haven't taken that step of faith and you don't know that you're going to heaven, I don't care that it's an old traditional song about heaven, but the reality is there is a heaven and the songwriter has it right. If this is all that you're living for, you're, you're pretty limited. There is an eternity. And if you haven't come to faith in the Lord Jesus, this morning's the day that I encourage you Come to the door, go through Christ, and find out if what he says is true. And I'm basing my faith and my life, my whole career on this fact. I believe it to be so true that if it's not, I'm a fool. So go to Christ and believe that your sins have been paid for. Young people, some of you are sitting here, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. How is Christ in your life, how is he developing his relationship with you as a 5th grader, 6th grader, 10th grader. It doesn't matter the age. Let's get rid of our systems of age. Church is not about the elderly or the young. It's for the flock. It's all about Christ. So friends, the door leads us to super abundant life. Come to him this morning. If you haven't put your faith in him, believe on him and know that he will forgive you and then he'll give you abundantly more than you ask or imagine. And if you know him, don't be afraid to ask yourself some serious questions about your system of religion. How's your system working? If it's not working, I have an answer for you. Go to Christ. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, shall we? Father, your son turns everything inside out, upside down. Please forgive us for anything that we have done.
to avoid the reality of who you are, especially through your son Christ. Father, we are all shepherds in one way or another. And I pray, O oh God, that we as shepherds might be the best shepherd that we can possibly be in whatever role that you have called us. And that we would go through the door this morning. Oh God, how we need, how we need Christ. Super abundantly bless us, Father, with wisdom beyond years to be the shepherd that will bring honor and glory to you. I pray, Father, that the judgment of these Pharisees would not fall upon us in our shepherding role as we continue to seek to be the best shepherd that you want us to be. Bless us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.